This is Chuck. We're back from the bar. Cheers. We're back. Thank you, Dink. From the bar. The bar, which also doubles as my kitchen Uh counter. Surprise. There's no staff or bartender. (laughs) Just me and a liquor cabinet. Um, is well, Pims not the epitome of the summer? Pims is the summer. And, you know, I never, I didn't really know the backstory about Pims. I still don't really know a lot of backstory. What I do know so is British. the little that I do know is there were a number of Pims. The Pims that we, that are, that's accessible to us is number one. Right. And apparently when Pims was being developed by the chemist, the, the distillery, there were a number of Pims. Pims number one, number eight, number 12, number... The Who only, knew? The only one that stuck was number one. It was the best seller. So, you know, people say your first choice is always your best choice. They mean it. And this is a living example. Well, um, but Chanel obviously had to try five times before they got to number five. One to four were I guess rejected. They, I guess they were rejected. <laughs> oh, Coco. It might be different. <laughs> it might be different if you're wearing it rather than drinking it. <laughs> Truth. And... And what's really good about Pim's number one is when it's you and you're up to Pim's number five. <laughs> that makes for a great party. Yeah. Um, yes, it does. It definitely speaks summer. While we were downstairs fixing drinks, David had an exchange with Bill, um, his partner, and his partner is home enjoying tuna noodle casserole. David expresses that is something that he could never really bring himself to. I love a tuna noodle casserole and i grew up in like the most sicilian of cooking families like that was the most foreign thing in the world and i love it i may have understated my position i actually can't be in the same room (laughs) as a tuna noodle casserole but bill it's one of the comfort foods that he just loves unashamedly but never really gets to enjoy and since i'm here i said to him can you make yourself a tuna noodle casserole and he said i think i will so what what is that food for you shepherd's pie well that's that's uh, i agree (laughs) however the recipe bill is the cook in our house and he is a better cook than he gives himself credit for um and uh he found a recipe for shepherd's pie because he believed it could be better and the recipe is actually credited to sharon osborne (laughs) and it is the most delicious shepherd's pie i've ever eaten yum and so that's the go-to recipe for that yum 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 um what else? Comfort dessert. Is there mm, my dessert? mom's apple tart is she bakes with love. Like there's she's not a baker. There are a certain number of things that she does and does very well, but she's not a prolific baker. Mm-hmm. Um but when she when she does bake she really always enjoyed our anticipation of the treats and so i don't know that's that's really a 
when I get home, I definitely expect to have. And walk me through that tart. tart. Is that a tart like a pie crust bottom, open top? No, like... it's not open top. It's in. It's fully enclosed in pastry. And is it is it made in a rectangle and then served in squares? Like walk me no, through it's, this. No, it's a it's a um, pie shape. in a round, yeah, pie dish tin. Um, uh, and then she also does an amazing rhubarb tart and she always grew our own rhubarb in at our house we just she still does actually i love rhubarb yeah i just had the rhubarb conversation recently and what kind of rhubarb season i love it i love the tartness i just love rhubarb sauce we would eat it on vanilla ice cream i love rhubarb yeah and a friend of mine um has a beautiful estate in county cork in ireland and he has a, a signature mm -hmm. like they they use it as a very upscale B and B right now, but they have a signature martini that has rhubarb in it, mm. and I have to see if I can get my hands on that recipe because I feel like uh, with a gin as a gin martini, I think that could be delicious. Well, I think if we can't get our hands on the recipe, we can certainly visit and have them there, and then we will come back and dissect the recipe. Well, they just had. Uh, last year they had Charles and Camilla state and their entourage. Oh, how yeah, that? it's really beautiful. I'm sure. And he and his wife are great. They're great hosts. Sure. I long for that. I long for that as a business. I think that that's something that would speak to me. You being in the hospitality business, always tenderly stroke my head and tell me I'm crazy. But <laughs> I do think that there's something romantic about the prospect of that. I know that it's very easy to romanticize what you love. It is, and but there, re there really is um, a lot in it that's wonderful. But for me, um, like Bill's father is always tearing things out of the Wall Street Journal, buy this bed and breakfast, go and live in New Hope or go and live in upstate New York and run, like just have this as your business. And But for me, there's, although work is hard in a different way right now, generally I really love my work and um but there's also a a balance in stepping away from it whereas if you're a proprietor of a you know a bed and breakfast or an inn you're part of the experience and uh stepping away from that is is harder right but the the why it's appealing to me is i wouldn't want to step away I would want to be part of that experience. I think I know, but I need you to understand, Chuck. <laughs> Here we go. There is a side to humanity that you can come across. If you need although just in fairness, you have, you know, you also have had you've had wonderful clients and clients who have like their eccentricities in all walks of life. And but there sometimes in hospitality there are times where it's good to be able to step away sure. and take sure. a breath. I, I totally get it. I totally get it. You know, but we did, but really, mo like, you know, most of the time we're always working towards someone else's enjoyment. And for those of us that enjoy that career, there's great pleasure in that. But, right. you know, there's, there are times where it's good. That can be draining and you have to recognize where, all right, I need a little break. And for me, that break comes around, you know, the end of the work day. <laughs> right. Or a month in <laughs> oh, or a two days in part of my art. <laughs> so I'm hoping this year, and you know, because of obviously our, our, our 
world situation and our lack of being able to travel and um, all of that, I came to the realization that I don't really think I want to travel any longer during the summer months. When my gardens are thriving and when my pools are open, I really think that all I want to do is be here. Be here. So in February, God willing, if we're able to travel, I'm trying to figure out how I can be in Puerto Vallarta for a month. I mean, I really feel like, you know, unless we have the likelihood of an inability to return, um, when you want to return, if it's just a matter of quarantining for, you know, taking a test when you get back and then quarantining for two weeks, that's easy to manage. It's and totally worth it to have that length of time down there. And if you could go for six weeks, eight weeks, I would say do it. I Ten know you, weeks or until you wouldn't need, you wouldn't need any encouragement, but <laughs> Until the pool opens and the gardens need <laughs> to be tended to for the spring. Yeah. The grayness of our of our winter season in the Northeast definitely gives me a... It affects me. And I, I really wasn't that, you know, when I... When I met Alan, Alan was, you know, born in Haiti, but really grew up in New York City, but at his core had this, like, you know, island mentality and the winter yeah. always, always, always bothered him. Always. And I was like... yeah. I was like, you haven't been there since you're three years old. Like, I don't understand why this is. Oh my God. We, I have several colleagues that are from Haiti and they, they, I, I feel personally responsible for their mental health in the wintertime just to get them through. And then you come to a blisteringly hot and humid day in the summer and they are in their glory right, just... and they see my pain, but they don't feel the need to reciprocate. Which is okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'll get through by myself. <laughs> But oddly, as I've aged, and you know, you hear people say this, the the cold and the gray really affects me differently. Like early on, I was like, oh, I can handle this cold. It's no big deal. As long as the sun shined, I could handle it. Now it's just, even when the sun shines, I'm all right with it. I can't really handle the shorter days. That is the thing that I've recognized is what puts me over the edge. And every day we get closer to that. I know. I mean, I definitely, I definitely understand. Like, I understand how that affects you. Um, it doesn't affect me in the same way. And um, even in the bitterest winter weather now, I'm not really that bothered. I mean, I remember my first full winter here was the that snowstorm in ninety five was it where we oh, had yeah. like 48 inches of yeah, snow that's crazy and i was like what in jesus name is this <laughs> it's like the freaking apocalypse and my family is calling me and my friends are calling me from like all over europe going <laughs> is that really happening yeah yeah and i thought well if i don't leave now i might never leave and i i haven't so um i don't know the the winters don't really they don't bother me in in that way yet but like, I, I don't know. Don't you just, don't you think that we change throughout our lives and it's like, okay, well now all of a sudden it bothers me and that's just that. Well, that's that, here is, I am. Right? Like this is, these, these are the things that I'm recognizing. Yeah. I'm starting to recognize that. 
it's trifle. Well, do you think then, I mean, ultimately that's bound to drive you towards a climate where you don't have to deal with that without having to travel away Well, here's at the, some point. Here's the catch. Here's the catch. Because when you talk about warm weather year-round climates, what you give up in that is a cycle of gardening that I like very much. Right. And I don't really think I could be in a situation where I lived where you kind of gardened similarly throughout the year people who live in florida will say those are things that we plan in the winter months and those are things that we plan in the summer months but there's never really a pause for me the kind of titillation of gardening is that i close it down i do a fall cleanup i rake it gets gray and then you like a cycle right everything right in february i start to itch about it and i'm longing for it in march i'm outside on a sunny day and i'm starting to clean beds and rake again and then it begins and then it's just like this you know this symphony of no this is kind of a revelation to me actually because now i'm seeing this pattern you like a cycle like a cycle you like a cycle with your garden you like a cycle with your pool you like a cycle with your wardrobe yes indeed (laughs) you like a cycle with fashion you like a cycle with design I like you a cycle like weight because in the winter months, <laughs> you know, there's that. <laughs> but you're like, you're right. I definitely like a cycle. So for me, the magical recipe is all of the months that I feel the most connected to the Northeast. So from the beginning of March until right after Christmas, I want to live here. But after Christmas, until the beginning of March, I want to live in Mexico, in Central America. I want to live somewhere where the weather is tropical, sunny. So the interesting thing is, though, you won't want the same life when you're there. So you won't need a garden to tend. You would live a different kind of life if you're somewhere tropical and warm. I would like to live in a two-bedroom condominium. Yeah, you would. Like I would have that kind of... Or a little cottage. Right. But we've been to Puerto Vallarta, you know, well, the opportunity of housing there. Like, I would be very happy in, you know, one of those smallish developments that has a common pool. And, you know, you walk to the beach every day. That that, that really is. There's something so special about that. And, and, you know, my first, my first Puerto Vallarta experience, you're there. That was I had never ridiculous. been there, and and my one of my dearest friends Dante, who you know through that through that time that we were in Puerto Vallarta together, it, he was turning fifty, and we were there together, and I, I left there thinking I I cannot I can't not let this be an annual part of my life. I, I left that little town thinking this was just I mean the weather every single day was. It was Groundhog's Day. Every day it was perfect. It you never got up thinking you're going to get a gray day. Every day was magnificent sun, beach day every day. Heaven. And I, I, like, I feel like even though, I mean, that was extraordinary, that whole celebration. I mean, like meeting guys at the club that night, that was hysterical. We had so much fun. But outside of that, you and I both felt... Uh, this is somewhere special. Like the people yeah. are very nice. The town is beautiful. Yeah. It yeah. has an authenticity to it that appealed to both of us. And the weather was gorgeous. 
The food was great. The art was great. The oh, art scene there was yeah. magnificent. Like I left there the second time and I was bound and determined to just like cash everything in. And I'm always bound and determined to cash everything <laughs> in and move. And then I remember I had elderly parents that I kind of oversee. <laughs> well, you come back and we all knock a bit of reality into you. <laughs> um, but yes, I'm hoping that the world wraps its arms around how we manage our future through, you know, any health crisis pandemic as we're experiencing and allows us to travel. But if not, I will have things on my list to accomplish. Because one You thing, always have a list. Yeah. I can't really function without it, really. I'm not I know. Really, I'm not really like Ari is here for two weeks this last visit and you know we had such a magical time. He's he is an angel and an equally an equally kind of serendipitous meeting in the way that Ari enters my life. Um but he says to me, he goes, You never stop. You really never stop. Like the whole time he's here, he said, you know, I want to watch this on Netflix or I want to watch that or we need to watch this or we need to watch that. And like, I don't know, the, the, the fifth or eighth suggestion and I looked at him and I said, sweetie, we will watch TV when it's dark at four o'clock in the afternoon and there's nothing more important to do. But I, I, I that, no, <laughs> I don't stop like that. Like my, my mind doesn't do that. Like, and a couple weeks before I had arrived to visit, my friend Rick was down from New York with his partner, Larry. And it's right when they were airing Hamilton. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they want to watch Hamilton. Okay, well, we'll watch Hamilton. So we go in the living room and they turn on Hamilton. And I sit in my chair and everybody's scattered around the living room. And Hamilton's on, which is really, I had not ever seen the show. And it was, I was captivated. But the whole time I have like a sketch pad on my lap. And I'm just doodling. I'm just, I'm just doodling while I watch because I, that's, my brain doesn't really. Well, then I took all the doodles at the end of the night and then I started to watercolor into the doodles and they really are like very interesting moments of just captured. And Larry says to me, I watched all of that go down. Like I watched you watching Hamilton and doodling at the same time. And I started to laugh. I said, you know, Larry, I didn't recognize this until recently but i think i actually have adult bbd and i didn't really ever think that because you know immediately the assumption is that if you have that you're someone who is disorganized or you know like can't task in the same fashion i have it where i can't i can't stop and do one thing i i need to be like multitasking or multi absorbing information and i read an article about people with add which made me realize that maybe this is my situation that some people who knit if they were to sit in a um, college lecture people with add who knit absorbed more of the information because they were keeping that part of their brain the, the the tasking part of their brain occupied. How about that? So I was like, wow, well, maybe this is me. <laughs> Who you knew? I I wondered about that with you, though, and I have always kind of assumed a di like a different 
I don't know, opinion or perspective. And I, I have, you are never doing one thing ever. And so you can be doing a task or an activity and then there's always something creative going on. And so that has always led me to believe that you're kind of a fireball of creativity and you can't just let it kind of churn inside you. You just like, it has to come out in some form. So let's say that example of watching Hamilton where you're enjoying watching Hamilton, but then you're also doodling. And then that turned into the watercolor, um, when you're entertaining, you're fine pouring drinks and having a few drinks with us, but then you're probably also finishing off a great dish that you've put together, which is generally creative and delicious. Or even like if we're out at the bar, you can be having a couple of cocktails and then you're flitting around the place, like just meeting half the people at the bar. And I, so to me, it's always seemed like that kind of gregarious and, and creative side of you always needs an outlet at all times, unless maybe when you're sleeping. Well, we're going to call that adult ADD. Okay. <laughs> I think that might be redefining it. <laughs> we might need to talk to someone about Yes, that. again, I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert. Please do not quote me in any medical journal. I am not equipped. Can you That's... imagine? There's going to be like a, some poor love out there listening to the podcast. Oh my God, that's me. I right. finally know what it is. So this is truly a self-diagnosis. And again, <laughs> it was, you know, via a couple of articles that I do recognize in myself. And David also has recognized in me that my being monofocused on anything is a struggle. It's just a struggle. And it's not a struggle in a, it's not a struggle in a debilitating way. I just have compensated knowing that I can't do it. So I don't do it. You can do it though. And I've seen you do it. And so if it comes to something very serious, so if it comes to managing your parents' health, oh, yeah. say for example, I feel like you flip into a different mode that kind of shuts off distractions for the amount of time that it takes you to handle that as efficiently as possible right, and click. so that you can <laughs> flip back. Yeah. I can't stay there too long. Lord knows <laughs> that gets ugly. That yeah. Gets ugly. Um, now, but speaking of travel, I have a dilemma ooh, let me coming it. up. I love it. Um, so this year, obviously, shit show, COVID, um, we've, we're now up to four trips we've canceled. So right. first world problems, whatever. Um, but as you know and see, I stopped shaving um, during the lockdown. And from the very first time you saw a shred of hair on my face, you're like, yes, you were a big proponent. And most, I feel like most people have been like, oh my you God, like, that looks really good on you. you Some fabulous. people have been ambivalent. No one has said, oh, you're a disgrace. You should get rid of it. So I'm like, okay, that's, all, that's, that's okay. And uh, however, my passport expires in October. And okay. because of the amount of time it's taking to process anything right now, I want to get it renewed. And so now this is becoming a 10 year commitment. 
to the well, beard. Well, it's only a 10-year ten, ten commitment on paper. You don't have to remain with the beard to match your passport. Right. I know this, but I feel like I hadn't really kind of thought of it as a long-term, like in the context of, you know... It being documented. Yeah. Okay. Um, so now I've started to think about that. And so while I have been ambivalent about it up to now now i'm starting to feel like no i want i'm actually going to keep this you should keep it because it, it definitely is dynamite on you you look very very good Thank i love it much. um you're equally beautiful with a shaved face but clearly we have gone down a road as a world where we have redefined everything we know the way we perceive it, the we way we it up. So we've shaken it up. You with a beautiful, full, gorgeous beard, just the slightest traces of white, you motherfucker. My, I'm all white, by the way. <laughs> um, but I say keep it. And I think yeah. I will. Our next ten years will be ten extra delicious years. They will be. You know, I just feel like the. You know, like in terms of hardship, really, over the course of our lives, there was the recession in the 80s. Right. Which, I mean, I didn't know we didn't have that much money. Do you know what I mean? It's like we were fine. We, right. there was, there were three meals on the table. And um, we're blessed. We're, we're yeah, blessed there, there was no that. excess for sure. I mean, Christmas was, you know, kind of sparse, but we still, um, we still thought we were doing okay and then other than other than that kind of as a global economic or socioeconomic disaster we haven't had another one to deal with and i'm i'm wondering if we don't need i'm not saying i would wish this on anyone but do we need a reset every now and again to i don't know to refocus to stop worrying about unimportant things and i'm nodding my head as you speak uh, yes 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 i think a reset is a beautiful way to define what we've experienced and i think that the forced understanding of what makes you happy at your core only that's a lesson you only learn forced you can suggest to everybody that touches your life look at it this way try to see it that way but really and truly until your hand is tied behind your back certain lessons you can't learn really and here we were really being forced to assess things in a very different way and there were moments where i was petrified that how would i define my professional life like, what would my industry look like? And I, and I still ask those questions. Friends that were both directly affected health-wise. Correct. You know, I watched a very, very dear friend come to almost to the brink of life, which was, you know, a very gutting um, experience. But on the same hand, a very not rewarding experience, but offered me the opportunity to reach to his partner and have dialogue with 
my dear friends that were surrounding this situation, figuring out how do we manage this emotionally? How do we help Brian through with this no roadmap? With no roadmap. So there was a learning. There was definitely a learning in that. Well, I mean, and you have all been there for each other through all other issues, but nothing Absolutely. like this. Nothing like this. So, so you know, now we got to the other side of this, and thank God, my my friend Matthew, who was really gravely ill through COVID is on an uptick and is in a good place, you know, with his health, but certainly has a road ahead of him. There's Mm -hmm. no question that the recovery from any debilitating disease is a long and winding road, but it's allowed him to reflect on his existence, you know, and he will find a magic place to be from here forward as we all will. So again, you know, you could fall or you could fly and it's always best to opt for the flying option. Right. Um, I say this always that there's nothing really as exciting as the unknown. It's horrifying that if you focus from a different place, it's exciting. We will get, I guarantee we will be somewhere that we needed to be. Well, I mean, honestly, you know, we touched on this earlier, but I, like, I just really feel like, okay, through all our mistakes and fuck-ups and disasters, mankind has endured, this country has endured and gone on to be stronger and greater and better through adversity, like, each time it had never faced before. And so... I feel like we have to end up with an outcome here that feels like or is stronger and better than we were before. I'm going to count on that. I know you will. I'm going to count on that. And on that note, this is Chuck. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being in my life. I love you. I love you more. You bring magic. Every time you walk through this door, you bring magic. And thank you for it. Thank you all for listening. Until I hear you again, bye.